Good evening. Welcome to the Apple Store Soho and to tonight's special event with comedian Dimitri Martin. Uh, Dimitri's new show, Important Things with Dimitri Martin, is a stream of consciousness sketch and variety show which premieres next Wednesday, February 11th on Comedy Central and is also available for download on iTunes as well. Each episode focuses a single topic through the prism of Dimitri's unique point of view. Tonight we're pleased to bring you that point of view as Dimitri is joined by guest moderator and fellow Daily Show correspondent John Oliver in a discussion about the show and also to take questions from you, the audience. Please join me in welcoming Dimitri Martin and guest moderator John Oliver. Thank you. Dimitri. John. It's an honor to be your guest moderator. Thank you for moderating. You seem very moderate. Um, I feel pretty moderate, and well, I hadn't I hadn't twigged in my mind that you were not only would there be an audience, but beyond that audience, there'd be people just shopping. <laughs> it's what? like being in a comedy club when you first start, and when you've gotten a little further, but at the same time. Yeah, that's right. And we will, we will this will be answering questions later on. Dimitri will be answering questions, and he'll also be solving any problems you have with your Apple operating system. <laughs> well, thanks for being here. John did me a favor, so they said, hey, you can have somebody moderate the event. And um, I don't even know if I suggested you, just in the melee yeah. of trying to figure out the show and everything, but somebody suggested, hey, how about John Oliver, yeah. who's an older, an old friend, and I said, if he'd w be willing to do it, that'd be great. So thank you. I and I said, it. yes, because that's the tariff of friendship. <laughs> had, had I <laughs> not the known obligation. you, I would have said no, because I'd have thought this might be an awkward thing to do, but <laughs> I felt I had to say yes well, because this, it was you. This is natural for us. I mean, this is how we hang out. <laughs> My one room. Yeah. Lit up with two microphones. Yeah, my Discussing your future projects. <laughs> my gray room in my <laughs> studio apartment. It's going to be as close to Frost Nixon, isn't it, as we're ever going to get. Yeah, who's who? I'm going to get you to uncover something <laughs> terrible oh, with yeah, the natural authority of the British <laughs> okay. accent. That's fair enough. I want to mention, so there's a podcast that this is, is currently happening now of this. It's, it's already happening. Is it now, going out live? Podcasts can be both visual... And simply audio. You don't have a microphone, right? They told us we're down a mic, so you won't be picked up in this. So you can't respond. This isn't going to be like Leno. Do you have a bass guitar that you can <laughs> go in while, while we're chatting? So some people would be able to see us in, on their pad podcast, but other people would only choose the audio version. Is that correct? Or this is only? Okay, so in the enhanced podcast, you can listen to it or watch it. So the people who can't see, I'm wearing nicer clothes than I usually wear. Um, this is a nice... That, I will vouch for that. This is a cashmere tie. You dress yeah. normally yeah. pretty badly, and I realize that <laughs> though I'm in no position to make that comment, but still. No, but you look comfortable. You look good. Yeah. It's you just, I, if you'd said we were dressing up, I might have stayed in my suit no, from work. I had a prior engagement, and I, am, I it remained in those clothes, and I thought it would be classy. Um, the, tie, the tie is brave. Thank you. <laughs> I think it pops. <laughs> It does pop. Are you a genius or a genii? That question was not to me, for people who are just listening. No, but I'm going to be coming to you on that. Are you? No, he's not. Dimitri. Yes. Uh, are you a, you a genius or genii? No, I'm in neither the singular sense, I believe they patented that term. Yeah, no. No, but I have interacted with some of the gene genes <laughs> <laughs> over here. And the funny thing is, I used to live very close to here, so like a lot of people here probably... If I'm going by and I'm like, you know what? I did check my email recently, but 
Why not? Maybe so, I don't know. Do you, do you remember there was actually a time that both uh, Dimitri and I know John Hodgman, who's pretty much Apple number two at the moment, and yeah. uh, he he once came in here to buy a cable without <laughs> thinking about it, and apparently all hell broke loose. <laughs> <laughs> He said yes. it was the one time he felt like Justin Timberlake. The people were going, holy shit, it's actually you. And then went up to the counter to try and buy a cable and they didn't know whether they should charge him or not. That's funny. That's pretty sweet. I think he paid. I, one time, I, I, I'm pretty careful about logging out of like my email. But yep. I got a nice, a, a equally creepy and friendly email from somebody once who said, hey, um... You left your account, your you know Hotmail account or something open when you were, whatever it was, some email account mm-hmm. uh, here, and they they said I I logged you out like no problem. I would say that was more some creepy stranger. than friendly. Yeah, because it seemed like that could just be just an unrewarded act of kindness. I just yeah, log someone out. Don't then don't write scold to me them. about it. So um, let's let's talk, let's get into it. Let's yeah. talk a little bit about your upcoming television series, Important Things with Dimitri Martin. Okay, do that. It's a new show. It's one of the top shows of all time, I think. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it plays. Uh, it has sketches and people in it and yeah. music and costumes. It's really thrilling. And it's you've always wanted to You've wanted to do your own show for a long time, since we first met. Oh, for months. Yeah, I've been dying to do this. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what might be more interesting for people? Because I, I, I'd love to gauge I'll the d- audience here. I'll decide that. Okay, sorry. Don't. Dictates no. the no, you tenor. You, didn't, you don't do that to Letterman. Uh, do you know sorry. what would be more interesting than the question that you asked me, David? <laughs> a question that I'm going to ask myself. Touche. Touche. <laughs> what England, would you like to England ask? England has a different way. No. What, what I wanted to say was yep. uh, I think it's cool to talk about the show and I want to promote the show. Yeah. But I like when I get to actually be on a stage with a friend, someone I knew from a different context. It's kind of a rare thing. As stand ups, you're often just on stage alone. But sometimes you get to do things with another comic. So yeah. you've known each other or your work for a while, but you never get to do it at the same time. You just, when that guy's on, you're in the audience. And yeah. if he bombs, it might be funny or something. <laughs> it's great to enjoy it. But then, <laughs> then you go up and then they get to watch you. But a couple times we've been on stage together. But I did, I did want to tell the audience that I met John Oliver in 2003 in Scotland at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Do people here know what that is? Are you guys familiar with that festival? It's a big theater festival, and there's a large comedy component to it. So uh, John and I met each other long before any of this TV business was happening. Mm-hmm. And uh, no, well I guess that's TV not a funny story. W- the TV business was happening. It's just we weren't in it. Really? This wasn't before. Yeah, there was, there was a thing called television and a business attached to it. It's just you and okay. I were, okay. in, were not inv- invited to that party. I'll take your word on that. Yeah. I'll, I'll follow you there. <laughs> That's the backstory I wanted to give. So maybe that's not so much yeah, a funny no, story, but no, it's, yeah, the Edinburgh Festival is where we met, and w- with the flight, the Concords were there that year as well. That's right. And we met and became friends. They were just working out their fake accents. Like yeah, that's right. Those guys are from New Jersey. It's like completely. Um, anyway, look at that. That's they've took. They've. I think we all know what that is. DG that's water. That's right. And I appreciate not wanting to advertise, but it's just you're just a st- one more strip away. It's like an anti-advertising Brazilian wax. Just go the... <laughs> Complete anonymity. I'm stressed about getting water on my tie. Think that's a good photo? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, what do you want to... You okay, brought, so I'll you brought a couple of clips. Yes, I brought a couple of clips. So let me talk about the show. I'll answer your question. Okay. Um, we made a show that is a sketch show, but it revolves around a single topic every week. 
so it probably in the end isn't that different from shows in which someone comes out and does a little bit of a wraparound or a monologue and then goes into sketches. It's just that there's a little less randomness and a little more um, specific kind of application. And so the title Important Things just references how each episode is about an important thing. So the six episodes of the season comprise those six important things that we chose through a painstaking process, thereby having the show. I um, agree with everything you just said. It's just as you were talking, a man went to the bathroom behind you. <laughs> yeah, but, but you should clarify. He went in the bathroom to the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> he didn't, like, pee behind me. <laughs> 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 that colloquialism has a vagueness. That That's true. And so when, d when did you start working on this show? I know the answer to that, but... For wow, the benefit thanks, of these man. people. Way I think we're finding out very quickly whether I have the props to be a talk show. <laughs> <laughs> I love hearing props with an English accent. That's a very... <laughs> I can carry that Props. Off. Props. Is that common over That's there? right. You don't know me. <laughs> Word. Is, is props part of the... Uh, no, we don't have props. No, no unless props. it's an abbreviation for proposition. <laughs> Good I've use got of a props, props for you. <laughs> um, what about dude? We don't have dudes? No, and I'll tell you what we don't have. We don't have douchebag. <laughs> and I absolutely love that. I you love, have, have douchebags, but they don't know. We no, we don't have those. <laughs> no, wow, we don't have, we don't, that's a great place to them. be. We don't have them. We, we don't have, have enough here for the whole as a world. Thing or an insult. <laughs> there is. There's the guy that distracted me. Now hey I man. can get back into this. Hey. Hey. Oh, he looks relieved. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, um, here we go again. What was I was? It, was I answering your question or were you answering my? Uh, I forget. What was the question? I can't remember. Anybody? I, I've only written down. But Wow, that just sounded like a heckle. <laughs> douchebags. When did you say Douchebags. <laughs> you're being douchebags. <laughs> what? Is that where we were in the conversation? No, you're douchebags. All, uh, all I'd written down here was I wanted to know what the prism of your unique point of view from your press release was. Oh, and yes. when you'll be asking for it to be removed from that press yes, release. Yes, my prism, yeah. <laughs> I work, my comedy works on a uh, kind of a pyramid yeah. scheme, you know, surface so that any <laughs> joke would refract yeah. into light. Yeah, of different colors. But it's been a few months, hasn't it, that you've been working on this for? And when I say a few months, oh, I that's mean right. more We're than that. Yes, so I did a stand-up special called Dimitri Martin Person that aired in the beginning of uh, 2007. Yeah. And then enough people between the ages of 18 and 24 watched that special. Yeah. So then Comedy Central said that they were interested in making a pilot for a TV show. Mm -hmm. And so then that led to making the pilot for Important Things with Dimitri Martin. Great. And so then we made that pilot in the summer of 2007. And then in the fall, we found out that they were interested in doing a series, which I was excited about. And then the writer's strike started, which I wasn't as excited about. I, was that I wasn't excited about that either. That stopped everything. Yeah. I think the only people involved in the excitement there were the people doing the negotiating. Oh, can I? That just reminds me of something about the writer's strike that might not be pertinent here. Okay. But I think it's funny. During the writer's strike, I got to go, I had to go to L.A. for something, so I got to go strike. Uh, I got to go to the picket lines, and there were a bunch of comedians there. And, you know, a lot of comedians would kind of know each other and people who do different comedy things. So I ran into uh, Ed Helms, mm -hmm. who used to be on The Daily Show. Mm -hmm. You guys know Ed Helms? Really funny guy. He's an actor. Okay. Hmm. Wow, okay. <laughs> Maybe I shouldn't have even asked for any applause. I gave him <laughs> <laughs> kind of insulted. No, that was cool. For listeners, it's a very small audience. So, yeah. I'm walking with Ed Helms and Andy Samberg, who's also a friend. So, we were walking, and it was Andy Samberg, 
uh, me, Ed Helms. Okay. And I was in the middle. So as we're walking down the sidewalk, um, Ray Romano was walking in the opposite direction. What? And I'm thinking, oh, wow, Ray Romano. Like all these weird you know, celebrities were yeah. there supporting the, the cause. And then Ray Romano, who was really nice, stopped. And he went up to Ed Helms and he goes, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to bother you. My daughter's a huge fan. Can I shake your hand? Uh, she'd kill me if I walked by you and I didn't say hi. Ray Romano said this to Ed Helms. To Ed Helms. <laughs> you sure you've got those names the right <laughs> way around? So Ray Romano says to Ed, I'm a huge fan. You're really funny. Ed says, thanks. He goes, you're really funny. And then he looks at me. And then he looks at Andy Samberg and he goes, you're really funny too. <laughs> <laughs> and then he just like walked wow. away and we all just started laughing. Because I'm sure he wasn't trying to diss me, but it was really funny. Because yeah. that seems like a really nice, you know, Ray Romano seems like a really nice guy and stuff. And he does. It was just the best diss. It was like, he looked at me and was like, okay, I don't know you. You look like a younger, more ethnic version of me. Let's move along. Okay. Andy Samberg, you're funny. Okay. Uh, that, w that just made me laugh so much. Just, I think a Russian assassin just went to the bathroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, he doesn't find that funny. I don't know if that's a joke you want to do. I just think someone should check whether he left a briefcase in that bathroom. Or if someone that's dressed almost exactly like him goes, walks <laughs> in and takes out a different briefcase in a moment. I like the term leaving a briefcase in the bathroom. That sounds like a great euphemism. <laughs> <laughs> How you doing? Left a briefcase, bro. <laughs> doing a lot better after that Mexican lunch. Was it a good briefcase? The best. Dropped a handbag. What's happening? <laughs> it's our businessman, yeah. Who Polite. says we can't do puerile humor? Come on. No one says by that. Saying, by calling it puerile, you've already elevated it. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Um, so who, who, is in the, uh, who is in Important Things? With oh, Dimitri you know what? Martin? I'd love to do. I forgot. So uh, you guys suggested that we open with a clip, but I, I wanted to just kind of get comfortable in the room with John here and genuinely thank him for coming out. He rushed down from The Daily Show so that we could then get you guys ready to watch just a little bit of the show here. So what I'd like to do, if it's okay, is show you first the opening titles. Uh, <laughs> it's getting tougher and tougher, every person who goes in there. Each person looks more like they could beat us up That's very easily. I just wish they weren't going increasing looks of, of quality characters. <laughs> because then the game could finish. It's just... It's kind of great, though, in New York because you're so immune that nobody cares. I feel like I've seen so many things on the street. Yeah. So people have their own walk, their own timing, like this audience, whatever. I have to pee. I will walk as slowly as possible. Past the, you know what I mean? There's no kind of self-consciousness, which yeah. is a great thing about New York. It is great, because yeah. in Britain, people are just apologetic about everything, because we have so much to apologize for in our history. <laughs> you just want to tag that on, saying, I'm sorry, I'm getting in the way. It's, I'm supposed to get to the bathroom. I've ruined everything. And but people are more polite, generally, you'd say, in, in home, back home. Yeah. Genuine politeness, or is it kind of a veneer? It's fake. It's fake. Yeah. <laughs> it's fake. I'm making him speak for the whole country. Yeah. Now it's on the podcast. The Queen's polite. I, I, s oh wait, so should, should we go? Okay, so these are the opening titles. It, they're quite short, but then we can discuss them. Let's yeah. introduce okay, them to, to the show. That's it, oops, that's not part of the titles. That'll be the next thing. You, you guys don't have to clap. It's exciting, it's No, exciting. I, I don't think it's, it's not exciting. worthy. No, thanks, that's great. It's an exciting thing. I'm excited about it. I'm not saying it's not I'm worthy of applause. You know, but it, I, this it is a laid back thing. Like it can be awkward clap. for you though, but you know. Uh, it's exciting for me so to see a friend's title sequences. Who'd have thought? <laughs> who'd have thought that when we were completely outside the television business, as you put it? Yes, we were on those cobblestone streets. <laughs> yeah, without a care in the world. So that's, they're great. 
yeah, so th- so what we did there, we actually shot the opening titles that in the summer of 2007 on Super 8. So I was excited to actually shoot something on film, and Comedy Central was cool enough to say, yeah, okay, we'll put Super 8 on the channel. Because you don't see that much, I think, Super 8 footage on television these days. And we had to send it to California or something, some state, to uh, have it developed. <laughs> some state. It, <laughs> it is was a, a long state. turnaround for that little those little bits of footage. Yeah. But the concept was that we would start labeling things in the environment. So like in the tree there, you'd see freedom. You know, One person sees a cat, another person might see freedom. Just to prime the audience for looking at things through <laughs> that special prism. <laughs> it is a unique point of view, the prism from which you view things. Thank you, bro. That's it. <laughs> it's, uh, that's so yeah, so that's, so that's right. every episode starts with that little title sequence. I liked shows when I was little that had like a theme song and everything. Yeah. So we came up with that little theme song and the synth. And it's a reprise every time you see the show. So um, should we just show a clip now? I think so. Okay, so I wanted to show this clip because John uh, came and did a couple things for us in the show. He was in a couple scenes. This is one of the sketches that he's in from our episode about brains. I haven't seen this. Oh, you haven't seen it? Okay. No. So this is... Um, uh, it, it pretty much speaks for itself as a sketch. It's pretty self-contained, but it's in it pertains to the important thing: brains. Okay. <laughs> that worked out pretty well. Yeah, that's yeah. funny. We looked really stupid in that. <laughs> yeah. That was really fun that day, but also it was very uh, difficult. It was in the middle of summer, and we all had bald caps on. And I guess when you shoot a table of people and you're getting coverage. You have to relight and reset a bunch of times so that you can have this guy on, you know, and then you got one camera, so then you shoot him and then the waitress. And so our bald caps, just the sweat, your your fake forehead just starts coming off. And you remember that was that yeah. was a hard. Also, I was I couldn't see anything because I had my glasses. I'd hid them underneath the menu, <laughs> and I couldn't see anything. So that's that's why that's where I get my acting from. <laughs> I forgot there was something else you did in the show, and you took your glasses off. Yeah. So are you nearsighted or? Sh- I'm sh- short-sighted. You're short-sighted. Yeah. So like the I can't really see anyone. Yeah, I can see you. Is that as the a same? Kind of so what we call nearsighted, you call short-sighted. Well, I don't know. We called it that first, so. <laughs> Which was very short-sighted of you. <laughs> 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 We're just amusing ourselves yeah. now, and it's going to be on the internet. That was great. Damn it. That was great. Uh, yeah, but um. I'm excited about that sketch. Uh, John Benjamin played Benjamin Franklin. If any of you are familiar with John Benjamin, he was on Dr. Katz, Home Movies. Um, he's done a bunch of other things. I, I think John Benjamin's hilarious. He's I thought you were great in gets. that. You guys made me laugh so much that day. So that that's a really nice memory from just the production of the show. And I figured since John came down, I wanted to show one of the things he was in that I thought you were great. And you actually looked, I think you looked the most like the actual person Based on the, the it was pretty weird. source material we had once yeah. we put the wig on you and everything, the ball yeah. cap. Whereas uh, <laughs> John Benjamin looks like a very svelte, uh, smaller Benjamin Franklin. <laughs> and I look like a much more ethnic Galileo. <laughs> I, t- I took, a, I took uh, photos on my iPhone. I'm not being paid to say that. <laughs> uh, I took of me and Dimitri afterwards, and I showed my girlfriend. And she said, I don't want to look at that. <laughs> the funniest part of the day was, I think, when... Uh, Lunch came and we were still in the costumes and John Benjamin was eating some Thai food. Mm. Just he was really hungry, and it just uh, Benjamin Franklin just like going at some Thai food. (laughs) (laughs) That reminded me one time I was on the I think it was the N train. I was going over the Manhattan Bridge, one of those lines, and uh, 
One of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life, for some reason, was I came into the subway car looking for a seat, and there was a, uh, at the end of the car, um, a lone Hare Krishna. <laughs> just one guy alone. You don't often see them separated Yeah, you never see a guy alone uh, sleeping on the subway, and he had these really nice Nike high tops. <laughs> <laughs> Is he allowed I, those? I don't know, but it was just so funny to me, because I always think of a Hare Krishna in the context of like a mall or a promenade, you know, with a group of guys and so maybe some ladies, but doing yeah. the song and the whole thing. But this was just not coming not home from the office. Dunking just, on someone. Yeah, just, just chilling, you know, with the great sneaks on, you know. Yeah. We can do edits in the iPod, iCast podcast, no. right? Edits are fraudulent. Is there such a thing as an iCast? Did I just make up a thing? Well, you just, did you yeah, that would be like a Apple's version of phishing. iCast. <laughs> yeah. Wow, your fishing line has a thousand songs in it? But it's so, it, it's so user-friendly. <laughs> it does exactly what I <laughs> want it to do first. Catch fish and teach them about media. Mm. And other versions of this joke that aren't going to get a laugh. Well, um, what, are there any other clips you'd like to show? Yes, there's a short clip uh, that's from the coolness episode that is titled within itself and I think uh, will work. And then maybe we'll, we'll do a Q&A. Great. Why not? So let's just let's just enjoy that awkward moment we've experienced twice before the clip loads. Comedy. <laughs> so that was pretty fun to shoot, but the fog machine was placed in a spot directly next to my ankle. Uh oh. Not that this is that interesting, but it, when I saw it, it reminded me of it. So we did the take, and we had it lit and everything, and I went in there, and then when I went to pee. You know, to fake pee, and I was doing that. The fog machine went on, and I felt the hottest, like, burning, steaming thing right against my ankle. But I didn't want to ruin the shot, so I, I really hung in there. Wow. Yeah, true story, man. That's true. <laughs> but I remember I'm such a hypochondriac thinking, that just burned the skin off my ankle. Like, I just have, like, exposed bone now on my ankle. Because you don't know. You know how, like, a uh, hot, wet thing could burn you in, like, a more... But you find out. You find out, yeah, and then I, I went and touched it, and I was okay. That was going to be my next question. So you do all your own stunts. <laughs> That's right. Are there any other action sequences in uh, in this? Of you being <laughs> there are a lot. Of, yeah, there's a lot of action in the show. To hot things. A lot of sequences that were very close to being dangerous. I s I've seen the whole first episode, and I love it. Thank you. I mean that. I'm really, uh, you know, it's, it's uh, I like. The, it's the, I texted you. I like. There's an animation which is very good as well. That uh, kind of sums up the concept of religion. Yeah. Which doesn't sound funny, but it is. I think it's that piece funny. came out really well. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. In fact, I'd love. Yeah, I'd love. To, you know, let's do the Q and A if, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do the Q and A. Yeah. Do, does anyone have any questions for Dimitri or for John? I will absolutely repeat the question, and I will say it in a more charming accent than the members of the audience have. <laughs> yes, that man there. Uh, that's not really what this no, is no, about. No, no, that's, okay, I, I, that's sure, good. Yeah. I'll moderate when you get questions. Okay, yeah. yeah. If you can ask me, and I'll ask John. Okay, so uh, a gentleman from the audience just asked, how do you get as good at comedy as you are? Oh, that's great. Good. <laughs> um, I guess it's just a lot of doing a lot of st stand-up. Just a lot of stand-up, and, you know, it's, got, I guess, talking to her colleagues. Yeah. Can you translate that's that back to him that's in That's a American? great question. Yeah. Uh, chips. Okay. Where, where do you get most of your inspiration for your sketches, Dimitri? Um... I like to daydream. I like to walk around with a notebook. And I also like that I'm not still in law school or that I'm not a lawyer. So 
I just brainstorm as much as I can so I never have to do a job like yeah, that. So that's more of a motivation. Dimitri was about five weeks from becoming a lawyer. He no, it was a year. It was a, it was a year. Yeah. Oh, Dimitri went to law school and then left before his qualification. Yeah. I think New York is a great place for trying to come up with material for comedy or whatever it may be. Because the subway, there's so, so many characters and so many people. I think if you pay attention, I think I'd categorize myself as a people watcher, but it does get a little creepy. There was a period, period where I went through a lot of uh, drawing. I like to draw a lot. And you go on the subway and there's just all these faces. You can just, so many interesting, you know, light falling on people's faces in different ways. And you're like, oh, I'll try to draw this person. But a person knows when you are drawing them. <laughs> <laughs> and they don't like it. Yeah. That is a quick way to get your ass kicked. Be yeah. like, if, if you know what I mean. No one's ever. I've never been in that situation on the receiving end, but that's kind of not a very direct answer. But I'd but say. But you probably yeah. you probably keep more of a notebook than any comedian I've ever met. You 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 think so? Yeah, I think so. You yeah, you, you write little things and drawings a lot. Yeah, I, I like that kind of stuff. I, th I think in New York, um, you don't have to drive, so you can just carry something around and write yeah. in it. Um, and then for the sketches. Um, you know, I, I could tell this one, it doesn't matter. There's, I was on the train once, and I got on the train, and I was riding, and a guy got on with a tattoo covering his face of a dragon that started on his neck. His Adam's apple was kind of like the tail of the dragon. And this guy gets in the subway car, and I'm thinking, wow, that is a commitment right there. That's this, a big choice. This guy went for it. So there are these two guys, kind of thug, like tough guys, across from me, and they're just sitting like this. This guy's standing right next to him. I'm across from the guy with the tattoo on his face. And I'm just trying not to look at him, but I'm thinking, you, you're thinking there's a dragon on your face. Like, <laughs> this wasn't a, a hasty choice. That tattoo took hours and hours. You had to be sure about the dragon application for a pretty extended period of time. You weren't like, ah, I'm not sure. You know what? It takes five minutes. Put the dragon on my face. <laughs> but the guys next to him then looked up. One guy looked. And he's like, damn. And he goes to his friend, check this out. <laughs> so they're both looking at the guy. And they're like, yo, is that real, man? <laughs> He's like, yeah. The guy's like, did that hurt? He's like, yeah. You know, it's like super <laughs> And I thought it was so funny because in my head I just pictured, God, I wish at the next subway stop another guy would get on with the exact same dragon on his face. <laughs> <laughs> so that's a very direct example of in one of the episodes there's a sketch that comes directly out of that experience that I just observed on the subway and I just kind of wrote a sketch about it. Um, That's great. Yeah, and it ended up, and the sketch ended up working out pretty well. But I, it was, it's, an inter it's interesting when you see things and then you try to like make something based on it or just some random idea that you have. It's just like a, a task to communicate the idea, I guess, clearly. So that what I found funny about seeing that guy, if I can make it funny in a sketch, then hopefully it worked out. That's the most kind of direct example I think I'd have. Okay, any, an, another question for Dimitri? How about the lady in the back corner there? Okay, so this this lady has uh, seen Dimitri on show, like he was on Flight of the Concords and uh, some other shows, and uh, she also saw him in a market, which was, I think, where there was a general sense of tension in the room of, oh, where's this question going? <laughs> but then she pulled it back round by saying, I wonder how you're going <laughs> to keep your anonymity in terms of drawing things, and we were all relieved. So <laughs> I want to ask a, a counter question. Was the market in New York or was it in California? It was in New York. Was I relaxed? I was normal. West Side Market? Okay, yeah, I remember. Do you honestly remember? Yes, I do. I actually do. 
No, I remember. If it was West Side, then I think I remember. Yeah. You never return my calls. Like, what's the deal? <laughs> 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 I'm kidding. No, uh, I think that's a good question. It's, it's so interesting. When I was a kid, it seems like, uh, well, there was no YouTube. There was, the internet didn't exist. Um, people who, I guess, tried to have some sort of career on TV or they wanted to be in movies, it seems like access was a different thing just as an individual. But now everybody has a camera phone. You try a new joke that you've never done before at some college you know, in the Midwest, and a kid's videotaped your set. And then it's on YouTube the next day, and people are like, one star, this guy sucks. He's not funny anymore. I'm like, I just tried that joke for the first time. Like, give me a chance yeah. here. You know, it's like, so I think you end up being a little more vigilant about what you're putting out into the world. Because I always say to my friends, when you do this stuff, it's like leaving, it's like leaving an answering machine message uh, that you can't take back. You know what I mean? If you go on a talk show or you do a podcast, you can't uh, take it back. Like, you said it. It was stupid. It was awkward, whatever. Like, it's out there. But at the same time, I guess there's so much content that people probably end up being a little less precious about it. So I'm guessing that if people saw the TV show or something and then saw me in a market or doing some really cool thing like saving people, which I often do, <laughs> or whatever, you know, That's my normal true. course of the day, yeah, That's they would just yeah. kind of be over it because they'd say, oh, yeah, I've seen everybody's kind of doing stuff on the internet or whatever. So they'd be like, oh, yeah, that that guy's that guy. Yeah. Good. But I'd also wear a baseball hat. That man in that corner. Uh, when the Crazy Dogs are coming out with a new single, which is, again, a, a reference to Flight of the Concords, uh, Dimitri was in a band called the Crazy Dogs with Todd Barry. Crazy Dogs are in talks. Um, one of the Crazy Dogs, Todd, is like, he wants to do solo stuff. He wanted to be a crazy dog. Still with the two Gs. It's we had some kind of intellectual property problems. Uh, not to mention the Concords. Those guys are super out of control Hollywood. I'm sure you can tell from their show. They are <laughs> 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 super glitzy, super self-centered. It's so hard to work with them. Yeah. So uh, the Crazy Dogs, we're kind of tied up in some legal stuff right now. We might just end up being the dogs or the sane dogs or something like that. Uh, another question. Y yes, that lady in the middle there. So okay. So this lady was very impressed that Dimitri put the toilet seat down. In that clip was an attention to detail I have not made, but and she was wondering how a decision like that is made. Dimitri, uh, detail is of the utmost importance, especially if we're doing any kind of potty humor. Uh, you need to balance any kind of a bathroom joke with precision. <laughs> First part of the answer. Second is true to life. Um, I put the toilet seat down, but I think as you were asking that, I'm like, why do I always put the toilet seat down? And I think. Probably for two reasons. One, I like to leave a place looking the way I found it. I think that's manners, and I think that if the toilet seat's up, then maybe I should leave it up. I'm talking about a metaphor for our world. You would not have been a good member of the British Empire. <laughs> that's right, that's right. <laughs> They're like, what are you doing, man? We need to own all this area. Uh, and number two, I'd say sometimes, guys can relate here, when you pee, uh, you might not get like a full swish as in as much as like not hitting the rim. But if you got a little pee on like on the edge or something, if you put the seat down, it covers up any kind of drops that you don't It's It's the deal perfect with. crime. Who'd have it thought that yeah. question would get such an entertaining I hadn't answer. thought as you were, I got to say, when you stood up, the first thing I noticed was your green necklace. I was like, that's a cool necklace. I like the green with the black. You're wearing black, right? I can't tell in this light. Yeah, that's I, I like that. And I also noticed as you asked the question, you started asking the question seated, but then you're like, rose. you know what? I'm doing this. I'm doing yeah. this. Yeah, I got to. This I is gotta, happening. I got a stand-worthy question. 
And then I started to listen to what you were saying, and I was like, why do I put the seat down? So that's yeah. the background I, I do it as well. I have sisters, and so I think it's part of growing up with girls in a house. Is that right? You just realize that you have to do it through being consistently reminded and interrogated about Years it. ago, I had this, the invention idea that everybody has, which is the, uh, the pedal you step on that pops the toilet seat up while you pee, and then you take your foot off, and it goes back down like a garbage can, you know? And I was like, I'm going to market it, and I'm gonna ha it's going to be an add-on, so it's not a whole toilet seat. I'm going to work with the existing toilet seat culture, and that's how I'm going to you know, make my mark. I think that's the first time I've ever seen you in a cowboy boot. <laughs> I just got these for the show, and uh, I don't know what kind of boot it is, but the bottom I was afraid of slipping, but they're kind of rubbery. So okay. I, don't usually, I usually wear sneakers, but I'm trying to look a little more grown no, up. Another question. The man in the red uh, jumper at the back. Jumper means uh, sweater. It means jumper. <laughs> how, how much stand-up do you do, Dimitri, and how much does it play as an inspiration? I started doing stand-up in the summer of 97, actually on Bastille Day. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why, I just in retrospect, I realized that I had started on Bastille Day. And I thought, yeah, this means something. <laughs> I have Whoa. no connection to France, and nobody cares, but this must be a sign. I wonder if Revolution. on the day that the Bastille Day happened, people would think, I hope from our actions this day. Lo though <laughs> lives may and will be lost, a comedian somewhere in the future, some if there is such a thing. Some sort of low-energy wordsmith <laughs> will find his way to the stage and somewhat amuse people. Now, so I started the summer of 97. Up until I started working on the TV show, on this show, the longest I had gone without performing a stand-up show was two and a half weeks. So I had a good run as a... Most comedians, we perform pretty regularly. Some comics do like 15 sets a week or something, you know, if you live in New York. Um, I, don't, I never got to that level of doing it that frequently, but a couple times a week, whatever. The TV show started. We started writing the show and then doing pre-production and then shooting the field pieces. I think it, I had gone five and a half months or something Oof. without doing a show, and I couldn't believe it. And then when I got back up on stage... I did very poorly, <laughs> but I was just a little rusty. But it's it's kind of a humbling for me at least process where I, I kind of need to do stand up pretty regularly. So I still am trying to, and now I'm I'm kind of back to doing gigs. In New York, I do stand up. Carnegie Hall has a good open mic that I do. Um, Radio City Music Hall. Radio City, I do Radio City. Madison Square Garden. Yep, all those. And they're, the old Yankee Stadium. They're bringer shows. You have to bring like yeah. ten friends, and you get like ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> no, I do. Uh, there's a place called Union Hall in Park Slope. Eugene Merman's a friend of ours who does a show that. You guys know Eugene. Uh, there's a show called Tearing the Veil of Maya that I like to perform on on Sunday nights sometimes. Um, I don't usually like to publicize all those stand-up gigs. What happens when you're a comedian is a lot of your friends are comedians, and you end up on their freaking mailing list, and then you know every gig your friend is like I think sometimes comedians, is it's too much, you know? I'd rather, I, I don't want to bother people. Like if I have a good show, if I'm doing like an hour and a half or something, yeah. then I would post it somewhere and say, hey, I'm doing this show. But sure. if it's like 10 minutes, I don't actually bother people. I'll just yeah. go hide out and do my thing. Yeah. So a lot. Lady in the white coat. Oh. Are my answers too long? No, I think they are fine. Okay. 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 So By how the way, I appreciate the questions are actually very real. Yeah, so I, thought I appreciate that. Guy. The question was, how long did it take from uh, Dimitri to go from open mics to kind of more significant stage time and then from there, from stand-up to television? Dimitri. I'd like to answer that question and then ask you a, a stand-up question related because I think it's interesting if you guys hear a little bit about the English comedy scene because when I first went over there, 
I was struck by the difference. Is that too much? No, it's fine. I just was struck because it's really interesting. So when I started in New York, there were uh, very few what they call alternative rooms. It's mostly just comedy clubs. And at that point in the 90s, the comedy clubs still were suffering from pretty low attendance. I don't know how they're doing these days. I haven't performed in comedy clubs so much recently. But at that time, you would do rooms like, there's a room called Collective Unconscious that I would do on the Lower East Side. There's a room called Surf Reality. Um, there was the Gershwin Hotel on 27th Street. You go to these rooms and you um, pay $3 to get your name put into a hat. Every performer comes and we all pay to get on stage so that we can pay for the room rental. And then it's like a lottery to pick the order of the perf that you go in. So they pick your name and you're like, oh, please, I hope I'm like in the top 15. And you're just waiting and you've already paid your $3. You can't get it back. And then you get like number 27, Dimitri Martin. You're like, damn, all right, I'll wait. And so your audience is just other comedians. At least at that time, that's how we did it. And you would just be in that room. And, you know, those were tough crowds because your audience is comprised of people who are just waiting for their turn to go on stage. But the good thing was that if you got a laugh in that room, it was a pretty good indicator that you had a, a good piece of material because it was a, a pretty tough crowd. So that I started doing in 97. The other thing you do are called bringer shows. And you have to bring, say, five people or 10 people, and then everybody on that show brought people, and that fills the stand-up room. And, and you know, maybe some of you guys have friends who are comedians, and you're like, how many times am I going to have to see this freaking guy and, like, you know, buy drinks for him and stuff? But your friends really help you out, I think, in that early stage. So if that was 97... My first appearance I got to do stand-up on television on Conan was in 2000, which is relatively quick to go from like open mics to get to actually do it on TV and somebody say, all right, we'll give you five minutes. So somewhere in there, I started getting a little more real stage time. But at least for me, when I started, I, you're begging for stage time. You're just dying to get five minutes here, six minutes there, 10 minutes there. And so as you build your act, it's very incremental. There are very little bits that you get access to. So imagine the idea of doing crowd work and talking to an audience. You got five minutes the whole week. Like, you waited. It's 1 a.m. on Wednesday night. This is your chance. You waited. All right, you can go up. For me, I was like, all right, I'm going to get as many jokes in as I can. So I have the shortest jokes possible, so I can just tell the most of them in my five minutes. But when I met you guys, when I came over to, uh, well, it was Scotland at first, yeah. but then coming to London and stuff, you ha your open spots often were 20 minutes. Yeah. Is that correct? So yeah. when you guys start, it, there's more of a tradition of you settle in with the audience. You get to talk to them. Carson, Letterman, Conan. You guys have Jonathan Ross. There's one show that's a showcase. And yeah, it's not even the same model, no. right? Because we train to like be on talk shows or people think you're trying to have a sitcom or something. I meet guys over there and they're like, oh yeah, we get 20 minutes. I think know? it's also different in England because it's a lot easier to make a living. So you don't have to do stand-up to get on TV. You can do it for its own reward, which I think is a lot easier. Also, in England, people there's much more clubs. Like There's 80 clubs in London alone. Because people love drinking in England. And when they're drunk, they like shouting at people. <laughs> and having a stand-up illuminated on stage is a great vessel for that shouting. So it's very much seen as yeah. a conversation stand-up <laughs> with an audience in England, not a monologue. It is really interesting, though, when I went over there to see all of these comedians whom you've never heard of, and a lot of them are really good. Over here, you would know somebody's name. If you're into comedy, by the time that person has an hour of material, you've heard of them. You saw them have a half hour. You saw them have like 45 minutes or something. But to go over there, and they call it banter over there when you talk to them, right? That's what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. We call it crowd work. They call it banter. A lot of the English comedians seem much more skilled to me at that than we are over here. I think there are great comedians over here who can do that. But on the average, I think that dialogue 
where the audience, it's not even so mean-spirited often. It's not like a real heckle. It's just... No, they just feel that they've got something to contribute. <laughs> yeah, and you got to just roll with it. You yeah. Know, you I, I, th- I found that fascinating, though, because y- you see it as a person develops. They, they come out differently. You know? So, yeah, it's, and then for... So, he... You you moved gradually from stand. He did stand up spots on TV, and then I remember watching at home when he did his first slot on the Daily Show, which I guess was also because John had and Ben had seen you in yeah. do stand up around yeah. New York, and yeah, and then it kind of took off from there, didn't it? Yeah, so that that gave me, they gave me the opportunity to try to get comedy going in a non-straight joke format, but in a piece that might have a little bit of an arc to it, or or an interview or a conversation. And I did a couple one-man shows that were more narrative, so that it wasn't just one-liners. Yeah, I love jokes, but I've learned to try to open it up a little bit. Let's let's do another question. Uh, so the man right at the back over there, yeah, you. That's you, that man. Oh yeah. So what was the process? Process. I'm sorry, I've instinctively repeated the way you pronounce that incorrectly. <laughs> <laughs> what was the process in casting your uh, your show, other than people that you know? Well, I did start with a list of people whom I thought were funny. It's funny, you. I th- often think of my friends, I often think of myself in the past, I'd be like, God, if someday I get to make things, I like to think with the lens of like a casting person. Not that I know really what they do, but when I see my friends and I think, God, that guy's so funny to me in this way, and, and she's so funny that way. If I ever do a part with like a scientist, whatever it is I ever write, I'd love for that guy to be a scientist in it, you know? And I think she's, she'd be a great... I don't know, explore, whatever, whatever the, the bit is. You know, even though there's no bit attached to it, someone just strikes you a certain way. That was an exciting opportunity that the show presented. But I'm not a casting agent, and, and uh, there were more parts than I could kind of figure out. So we had some, uh, a casting agency help us, and th- they helped us get a couple really great people. There were some kind of celebrity cameos. And then probably equal part was just me saying, oh, I'd love to put this guy in it if he's available, and can you, can you help me just get in touch with him and bring him in? Um, and one John thing Benjamin I should confess is that I'm a, I'm a terrible time manager. And it, it really filtered through our production in as much as we had deadlines where we had to uh, do pre-production. You have to shoot a sketch. You're like, listen, we got to get a prison if you're going to shoot this sketch. We need to go to Queens, scout it, make sure it's available, and now you need to cast the prisoners. And I'm still trying to rewrite jokes, and I'm like, oh, you know what? There should be a leprechaun in it. And they're like, okay. Um, <laughs> we had an ogre yesterday. Now he's a leprechaun. You know, whatever it is, you, you know, so... That kind of informed the casting process a little, so some decisions were very last minute because I was still kind of trying to figure out the show. But John Benjamin is a big part of the show, isn't John it? Benjamin's a huge part of the show. John Benjamin was on the writing staff for the show and is in many of the episodes. To me, he's one of the funniest people I've met yeah. as, a, as an individual, as a performer. John Benjamin's a J- Benjamin Franklin in that. And yeah, yeah, and yeah, and he's got the golf the club in that club, other yeah. sketch. Uh, and when John Benjamin, when I asked him to do the show after the pilot... And he said, yeah, you know what? I work on the show. I was thrilled because I just thought, oh, that's great because that guy is really funny to me. Um, I'm happy when I'm funny in the show, if I'm funny. And I think there are parts that you know, I hold my own fine. But I love having other funny people there with me. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. just, it's so much better, I think. I, if you get the opportunity to do a TV show, it is, it is a huge opportunity, and, it, and I'm grateful for it. But to take advantage of that opportunity, I think, is to put people who you think are genuinely funny in it and to put forth more kind of a scene that you think is funny rather than just saying, hey, this is me trying to be funny. Like, look at me. Am I funny? As opposed to, I think this guy's really funny. Like, I want to be in a scene with him. Okay. We have time for one more uh, question. I, I'm you c- sorry. My answers are so long. Maybe 
If you guys want to go longer, unless you can't for the Apple Store, I'll take a few more. Okay, yeah. Is that okay if we go over just a little? Yeah, right. of course. I'll well, give you, you, you start picking people. Okay. Because it's yours. I saw your hand up. Oh, that's, that's a good question. As it, being an art, This lady says, being an artist in New York is quite difficult to make a living. Was there any time, Dimitri, that you nearly gave up when things were just so desperately bleak and your stomach was rumbling and you knew you didn't have enough money for food and you were cold? And you didn't have any direction for your day. Were there any moments when those visceral feelings overwhelmed you like a kind of dog on your chest that you ever thought about giving up and going back for the final year of the law degree you'd almost finished? Nah. <laughs> no, I... The truth is, I remember saying to myself, wow, my worst day in comedy is still way better than my best day in law school. Yeah. And it sounds cheesy, but it is true. So as stressed as I get and as tired as I get with this stuff and as worried as I am about this not being funny or I'm bad in that or whatever, I just think, God, this is, so, I'm so glad I just took a risk and I just tried something and I just repeatedly tried and did my temp jobs. And, I'm, you know, it's a funny business and I could very soon be back in those temp jobs. So I'm not, act I'm not sitting here acting like I made it or something, but it is nice to not have to do a job that I don't like, you know. And I never felt like giving up, but one time there's a show called Late Friday on uh, NBC, and they had stand-up in this kind of alternative venue. And I did a gig uh, at this place called Largo in Los Angeles, and I did some drawings, some bits with the drawings that I ended up doing in my Comedy Central Presents, and then in the Comedy Central, the other special. Well, it's kind of the first time I'd really done it. I did it out in California. One of the guys who books the show said, hey, we're taping a show tomorrow. We need another comic. I'd love for you to do the drawing bit on the show. Uh, I said, oh, yeah, yeah, great, great. I love that. I'll get it on TV. That's great. Thanks, man. So I redid the drawings a little nicer, and I went to the late Friday studio there in Burbank where they were taping those episodes. Uh, they introduced the first comic, the second comic, and now they introduce me. I come out, and I have the easel with the drawings, and uh, I start doing my you know, little intro to the segment. I say, sometimes my jokes don't work, so I do these drawings, which usually got a little laugh. You know, the intro part gets nothing. So silence, very similar to right now. <laughs> and I think, uh-oh, oh shit. Uh, I'm gonna bomb. I'm about to bomb. Yeah. So if you're if you're not a comic, you might not quite know what that feels like, but it's like this big fist is just coming at your face, and you're like, yeah, I can't move in time. Like that fist is definitely gonna hit me <laughs> like right in the face. Like I can see the fist, but I can't move. I'm getting hit. So what made it really terrible was that if you're bombing and you're just doing regular stand up, you know, you can like tag a joke. You can you can kind of eviscerate it, make fun of it, whatever. You can kind of move along, do crowd work. But I was tied to these 24 drawings that I had. So I can't get out of that. So I just started doing my little bit. And not only did the crowd not laugh, but there were these two women in the front. Uh, after every joke I did, the one woman would go, mm. <laughs> So, <laughs> like, it, as a comic, you think silence is the worst thing you can... No way. Encounter, but I learned that night, and I'm on. It, they're taping it for TV. It's like one of those answering machine messages. Like I can't stop what's happening, and I and I'm, I'm doing my like, you know, ta-da! And there's my drawing, silence, and then, mm. it's like, oh, I'm never gonna forget that sound. So the show ends, but I'm trying to be crafty. So I'm thinking as it's going, I'm like, okay, you know what? They're gonna sweeten it, as they say, which means put fake laughs, you know, because you it didn't work out for you. We'll put fake laughs, and you look like you're a genius or something. So. I'm doing my jokes and I'm thinking, you know what? They're going to sweeten it. Act like you're doing well. Smile. <laughs> bask a little, you know? <laughs> like whatever I'm trying to do. I'm trying to like 
outact myself to look like, yeah, this guy, wow, that was great. He didn't suck at all. Like, look at he's killing all those cheers. Wow, that was really funny. And so I'm like smiling and trying to like ignore the mm, like every kind of show ends. And I go backstage and I'm just like, I remember thinking, I don't want to be a performer. I am not a performer. I'm a writer at best and I'm not cut out for this. Uh, I saw it on TV. So I did bomb in person. And it's an extra special sting to get to see yourself bomb again. <laughs> like it's happening again. And I saw it. And what happened was they did put some fake laughs under it. And you could, it didn't, doesn't trick you, like I bombed. Uh, but what's weird about it is, there's a guy who's bombing, who's like really enjoying bombing. <laughs> there's this guy smiling up there as he's eating shit. <laughs> but he's also sweating profusely. It's <laughs> <laughs> so like my acting, I couldn't like outact the shittiness of my own performance. So it's this really weird document of just me just totally crumbling and just sweating like crazy. Um, but I remember that night, I've never not wanted to do this since I started, but I remember that night thinking, I shouldn't, I probably shouldn't be a performer, like I'm not cut out for this. And then I think nobody saw it, like, I don't know how many viewers they had, but I, don't, I never heard anything about it, so I think I'm the only one who really cared in the end. Yeah, that's great. There's a, there's a, gr there's a great late night gig in Edinburgh called Late and Live, which is just oh. hateful. It's and legendary. There was this one wonderful moment when this Australian comedian we know was bombing hard on stage, just to complete silence, but they were always about to say something. And at one point he told this joke and he got a very small laugh. And then it was silence again. And there was this woman's voice in the front row. She just looked up at him and said, don't get used to that. <laughs> and, oh, it was cold. So another question. Uh, yes, the lady with the striped gloves. Do you have a fan base? Do you have a fan base like a band who's followed you since... The early days before you were cool, which I guess is still now. We're still there. Yeah. I think that's a good question, the idea of a fan Do base they? for a comedian. I, I don't know how much of a fan base I started with. I can sense it a little more like at universities if I'm in a certain neighborhood of a certain town, like if I'm on the college street or whatever, or university or whatever. People stop me and be like, hey, hey, I like your stuff or whatever. And it, it's, it is really nice because you bomb a lot. At least I, I, I bomb quite a bit, especially when you start out. And it just feels so confrontational. And you just feel like, God, why, what, what am I doing wrong? Like, I really can't get this to work out. When I started, I don't know if I really felt like I had much of a fan base. Um, but I do know that after shows, I attract a lot of 16-year-old guys who want to be comedians. <laughs> so whatever that's worth. I don't know if that's my fan base. Yeah. But I find skinnier slightly dorkier versions of myself who want to talk. So this idea of like, I'm going to get groupies, man. Like chicks, they told, oh, they love a sense of humor, man. <laughs> no, other guys who are trying to be funny love a sense of humor. Oh, yeah, that's like, a, that is a myth. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah. This, but maybe the Concords, like those guys are kind of like Oh, yeah, that's, stars. yeah, but they're in a band. That's, they're they're that's in a band, different. yeah, that's different. Of like, course. I bring a guitar up there, but it doesn't make a difference. Comedy's like, for the social Come on, awkward. dude, you're, you're fooling no one. Yeah. It's uh, and, uh, yeah, the, the, uh, we'll just go with the lady with the peach scarf there. Yeah, Dimitri did recently do uh, a movie. Can you yeah. say what it is? Can I ask a question before I answer? How many people here work in, say, called the industry, or like, by just round of applause? You guys are, are yeah, okay, hands. Never. Well, hands. I don't so make it's you like clap. a vote. It's That's a democracy. cool. It's more silent. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. there's a fair number of us sprinkled here who work in, say, showbiz or whatever. Um, John did a movie too. I don't know if we whoa, should talk about whoa, that. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Let's not talk about that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I got to be in this movie. It was crazy. I got to do a movie over the summer. And as I should say, my show was supposed to air in October. 
And Comedy Central was nice enough to allow me to go work on that movie. So I could have very well not even done that movie. Yeah. My sh- they postponed the, the launch of this show to next Wednesday when it should have been October. So there's a big thank you I'd like to have on the record, and I see some people here, so I do want to thank you guys again. So I'm lucky that I got to do a television show and have the one thing interrupted was that I got to be in a movie, which was crazy. Let, it, uh, it, let me say what it is, because it's going to be weird, yeah. you saying it yourself. It'll no, I don't weird. Yeah. It was, uh, it, uh, Dimitri's the lead in the new Ang Lee film uh, yeah. about Woodstock, called Taking Woodstock. Yeah, it was, it was such a strange experience, because um, I wasn't at the original Woodstock. <laughs> but you told them you were. That's I the, told them that. The, that the, the, to get the part. I came out of a time machine. This yeah. haircut was yeah. actually cool where <laughs> I started. Uh, they called me in, and they, you know, I got this audition, and I ended up getting the part. Uh, when I started doing stand-up, I left my other life, if you call it that, or law school or whatever, perce- specifically to be a comedian. I love stand-up. I love writing jokes, and I love telling them and seeing if they work. Um, that was my only ambition. And my goal was just like, how do I get money doing this? Excuse me, the question you asked, I think that's true. It's like the world is set up in a way that makes it very difficult for you to get money for just trying to make things. You know what I mean? For just being creative, like, there's no grant for, like, daydreaming or, like, hey, look at my drawings. Can I have, like, a million dollars? People be like, go get a job, jerk. Like, what are you talking about? (laughs) So my dream was just, okay, I'm leaving, like, desk job. Like, can I just make money doing stand-up somehow? Like, if I can live as a stand-up, man, I'm living the dream. Like, I am set. Would you say the same? Yeah, definitely. I remember the first time I realized I could buy fruit juice. (laughs) <laughs> while I was making off stand-up. That just seemed, I seemed like the richest man. I still can't believe I can buy fruit juice. I, I can't believe it. I used to pay it's to so do stand-up. Yeah. Like I would pay, I would lose $3 to yeah. get on stage yeah. and to get money for it, you know? But then what happens is you start doing it and if you start kind of, like at least for me, like jotting down ideas, at a certain point the ideas started to lead the content and I'd say, well, you know what? That's just not a stand-up joke. I think that's a funny idea, but it's just not going to work as stand-up. So I guess that would be better in a scene. That seems like dialogue to me. Yeah, that's dialogue. Okay, yeah, I want to do dialogue. So what do I got to do? Oh, crap. All right, I got to write a scene. But that means I got to write a script. Shit, I got to learn how to like write a script. Okay, so I'll learn how to write a script. I can get that joke. Yeah, but you know, I really want to do that joke. So I guess then I'll have to be the actor in the scene to you know, get that dialogue to work. So it's funny. You get this little idea, and it sets you back, like all these steps, where eventually I just became this crazy person. I'm like, yeah, I want to write movies, and eventually maybe direct, and I want to act in them and stuff. But it's just to get certain specific ideas out there. So my, I guess my ambition is like to try to get the right medium for if I think I have a good idea to like try to make it through that medium. I don't know. That's yeah, I can vouch. That that kind of makes sense, that. right? Yeah, definitely. Because I love jokes, but some things don't work as a stand-up joke. Another another question. One more, One more okay. question. Blue shirt. What what comedians influenced you when you were growing up, Dimitri? Um, you were a big influence. <laughs> that can't be true. <laughs> I'm younger than you. <coughs> I know that <laughs> that doesn't seem that way. You are younger than me, aren't you? I am, yeah. You seem more grown up. It's because old father time has smashed me around the face. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? <laughs> I you don't know good. what, what happened, really. About? I think I've aged pretty badly. So you think so? I think so. No, you look good. No, I'm, not, I'm not kissing your ass because you did this for me. Like, it's not good. true. And I'm not, it's not in a gay way. Britain's, like, nothing British there. people don't age well. We do other things well. Actually, <laughs> that's not even true anymore. <laughs> Do British people not age well? No. Princess somebody, Diana. Somebody, wow, somebody backed that up from the audience. Yeah, hold it. Someone just agree. Yeah, Are someone you British? Like, you no. be, you're not British. Are you British? Who said... Who said... Yeah. Uh, she was over there. A lot of British friends. And we're not... We c- yeah. I know. I don't know. I don't know quite I don't know how well Greeks it. age. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I keep yeah. noticing the bathroom thing. Yeah. But you've you've. I don't know Greeks age that well either though, because Greeks um, they don't get hairy. <laughs> they start hairy and stay hairy. <laughs> yeah, I guess they get hairier. They don't uh, Greeks. Up. When I go to my church, sometimes if I'm back home, it just looks like a bunch of birds. <laughs> yeah. Because we all have pretty prominent noses, and then we kind of lose our hair, and it just yeah, looks like birds like worshiping some sort I, of god. That's the, I think. I think, because obviously I have a pretty big schnoz, and I'm very hairy as well. I think someone's lying in my family tree. <laughs> I, think they might, I might have a little Greek, you think? I'm quite pasty, though. You could pass for... Nah. 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 I think I'm British. <laughs> You're British. Okay, so I'll answer the question, and we'll yeah. finish up here. Uh, I liked, as a kid, I loved Stephen Wright, and... I think if anybody knows Stephen Wright's comedy would know mine, you could see there's a clear influence there. I love Stephen Wright. I got to meet him a couple times. He was such a gentleman, such a nice guy. I think he's just so funny and original. Um, I love Peter Sellers, not a stand-up, but just as a, as a comedic actor. I just I don't know how you can top Peter Sellers. I just think he's yeah. a brilliant, brilliant. He was a brilliant person, and um, I love Gary Larson. Just the Gary Larson cartoons. Like for me, the best of the Far Side are so economical and um, bright and kind of witty and, and simple. That's my favorite stuff, probably. And then there were other people. I love Bill Cosby. My dad loved Bill Cosby, so I used to, we'd watch Bill Cosby himself a lot and things like that. Great. That's about it. Well, I think I think that's it. Well, thanks very much for coming. And Dimitri's show is on next Wednesday, yeah. Wednesday the 11th. It's fantastic. Yeah. yeah, and I'd like to say thank you so much for coming, and thank you especially, John, for coming down and doing this. You are welcome. <laughs> really appreciate <laughs> it. Well, thank you, you so welcome. much. Thanks, everybody. Have okay. a great night. Thank you again, Dimitri and John, very much. Check out the show next Wednesday, a week from today at 10.30 p.m. on Comedy Central. And join us this Friday to meet Dave Gibbons, the artist of the Watchmen comic book series, soon to be a major motion picture. Thanks very much for coming, and remember to download the enhanced podcast of tonight's event on iTunes. Have a great night. <laughs>